0: Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale
1: University. Hello, my name is Kelly Brownell. I'm the director of the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity at Yale University. Our guest for today's podcast is Dr. Bryn Austin, who is director of the Fellowship Research Training program in the Division of Adolescent and Young Adult Medicine at Children's Hospital Boston as an assistant professor at Harvard Medical School and the Harvard School of Public Health. One of the leading experts on considering the intersection between obesity prevention and prevention of eating disorders, Dr. Austin is a noted scientist and has done a great deal of very important research. So Bryn, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. So you just delivered a talk at the Rudd Center entitled something like Obesity Prevention Is There an Eating Disorders Blind Spot? And most people don't think of eating disorders and obesity in the same context. But maybe you could tell us why they should and what you mean by this blind spot idea.
0: Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, by the blind spot, what I mean is we've had so much attention to childhood obesity and obesity prevention that we're really missing uh, what's happening on the margins and, and just underneath the surface around eating disorders and, and disordered weight control behaviors.
1: So when how are eating disorders and obesity linked? Because I know you've talked about that studied it, written about it, and it's a very important issue that most people don't think about. So how do they come together?
0: Yeah, they really come together in a lot of different ways that are important to clinicians, important to parents, important to researchers, teachers, all all uh, sectors of society when thinking about child health. We have um, the problem of overweight youth are more likely to Uh, feel compelled to take on extreme weight control efforts. And we know that the kind of teasing and bullying they experience puts them at risk for adopting disordered weight control behaviors, really harmful ways and, and unsuccessful ways of controlling their weight. And that's something that concerns us and concerns parents and clinicians.
1: So is the philosophy then that, or the worry, that putting more pressure on people to lose weight because of these obesity prevention programs at the national level that you could increase the risk for individuals developing eating disorders, make life more difficult for them.
0: We're especially worried about children and adolescents because they're so vulnerable to the kinds of pressures they may get from peers or from teachers or and from their family or, or from the media, especially if they interpret it in ways that, that can be harmful for them. They have a developing self-esteem, developing self-concept, and we want to find ways to promote healthful nutrition and physical activity that can help the whole child and avoid the problems of making them feel ashamed about their weight.
1: So some people could see eating disorders and obesity as competing parts of the puzzle, that you can deal with one, you can deal with the other, but you really can't deal with both of them at the same time. What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, that comes up a lot. And people feel like we have to choose one problem or the other, and to address both will we'll just uh, um, undermine all of our efforts. But in fact, what we're finding is that we're going to need to be able to deal with both the the problem of overweight and eating disorders at the same time. Many children uh, have started to take on very unhealthful strategies for uh, controlling their weight, which puts them at risk of an escalation of methods and the development of an eating disorder and will do nothing to address the problem of the overweight epidemic. What we want is to help all children get on a healthy path of eating, of physical activity, and relating to their bodies in a way where they'll really want to take care of them.
1: So I know you've helped you've addressed some of these issues in the context of a very innovative program called Planet Health and I'd like to come back in just a moment and talk about your experience with that but let me ask a broader question first some of the public policy things that are being proposed now to deal with obesity like getting rid of junk food in schools perhaps restricting marketing changing the price of foods so all those those kind of things Are there concerns among eating disorders professionals about those things as policies, or is it more a concern about the way these things are framed in the context of lose weight, lose weight, be thin, etc.?
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because there's a, a number of policy approaches uh that have uh, begun to take hold that are that are likely to really help um with childhood obesity and help create a, a healthy environment for our children. The examples you gave of of reducing fast food and access to junk food and marketing to children of this junk food, those aren't those aren't helpful for children. And that's not where there's uh worry from the eating disorders um uh, uh, people who specialize in eating disorders, those we can see as very helpful. What folks worry about is when the pressure feels um, very focused on a child's weight and in a way that makes a, a child feel like they're not loved or that they're not of equal value to other children. That's where we start to worry. We want all children to feel good about themselves so they'll take good care of themselves.
1: You know, I, I promise to get back to the planet health, but there's another question I wanted to ask that I think is really interesting regarding the work you've done in particular, because some people have this stereotype that eating disorders are clustered in just a small part of the population, you know, upper class, white females, etc. Um, is that true, and what have you found in your own research?
0: You know, in fact, it's not true at all, but I, I understand where people have that belief because certainly looking at the media and the Hollywood media in particular, we see celebrity after celebrity of the the uh, privileged white female as the archetype of, of the, the person with an eating disorder. But in fact, from our work in public health work where we're, we're talking to kids of, of all ethnicities, of of all uh Points in the socioeconomic strata all over the country, what we see is that uh, disordered weight control behaviors, really harmful strategies to control their weight, have been adopted by kids of all walks of life. This is something that really cuts across the population and is very much under the radar. In fact, we're seeing that in many communities um, uh, among boys, we're seeing these behaviors, and um, it's well beyond the community of uh, the white community. We see uh, kids of all ethnicities taking on these behaviors, including among boys.
1: So I know you. It's surprising to hear the the high numbers in boys because we're usually not thinking along those lines. But is there any um, speculation about why the numbers might be so high in boys of color, for example?
0: Well, that's something we just don't know the answer to yet because the research is just coming in in the last few years documenting that we're seeing higher rates in, in, in boys of color, African-American boys, Latino boys, for instance, compared to white boys of these eating disorder symptoms. But we do wonder if there may be um, uh, some of the hardships that boys in some communities face of um, being victims of violence or bullying at school and also the pressure um, that it's really causing uh, um, increased in in males of, of, of all ethnicities around um, uh, body modification, that is needing to spend a lot of time at the gym or the pressure to take steroids, which are extremely harmful, in order to get a muscular build. There's certainly in the last decade we've seen an exponential increase in the media coverage uh, and the internet uh, also included in that coverage of of this uh, building and the the so-called ideal muscular frame for males which ultimately is going to undermine health for these boys.
1: Okay, so I'm going to deliver my promise on my promise and talk about planet health. So Would you please tell us what Planet Health is? It's a very interesting, innovative program, and and you've found some really remarkable things in the context of that program that I, I wouldn't have necessarily expected. Can you explain?
0: Yes, uh, the Planet Health Program is a a whole school intervention, a program designed for middle schools by colleagues of mine at the Harvard School of Public Health. Uh, Dr. Steve Gortmaker uh, and Dr. Karen Peterson and others have developed a, a very innovative whole school intervention to promote healthful nutrition and physical activity in middle school youth, and ultimately to reduce overweight. That was their primary intention um, in doing this program. And they found that it was successful for girls in particular in reducing overweight. What we found in going back to the data that that were collected is that in fact the program was protective against eating disorders also. And over the two-year intervention um, where Planet Health was originally evaluated, we found that the intervention cut the risk of developing disordered weight control behaviors by half in the girls in the program, the girls who received the Planet Health program versus girls in the control schools.
1: That's a really pretty remarkable finding and I know you um, took took that finding and turned it into ideas about cost effectiveness and how much uh, money you might be saving. What can you explain you know, that concept and how you applied that?
0: Yes, uh, definitely. The the uh, work had been done by health economists to show that if we can prevent overweight in adolescence and early adolescence and middle school through the P- Planet health program, there's going to be cost savings for decades to come in preventing um, obesity in, in children. What uh, we're finding out more recently through some new uh, analyses is that the preventing of eating disorders at that early age also has enormous cost savings. And, and one of the, the important uh, points to keep in mind is that it can be expensive to treat eating disorders when they are allowed to progress untreated treated uh, To the to the point of really needing a lot of care, if we can catch uh, girls and boys early, if we can catch children early, prevent them from ever going down that path, ultimately from a, from an economic perspective, we're going to be saving a lot of in medical costs.
1: Well, this is very impressive work, and I appreciate you sharing this with us. You you made the quite important point that eating disorders prevention and eating and obesity prevention don't have to be incompatible. And in fact, can go together in a quite nice way, as shown by the results of Planet Health, if it's done correctly, framed appropriately, and if the interventions are tested and then perfected with time. So that's a very helpful and uh, constructive and hopeful public health message. So I'm, I'm very grateful you shared that with us.
0: Thank you. And we are very hopeful to be able to see this integration carried out. Uh, and ultimately, ultimately, what we want is to be able to help all children have develop into healthy adults.
1: Good. Our guest today was Dr. Dr. Bryn Austin from Children's Hospital Boston and on the faculty of the Harvard Medical School and the Harvard School of Public Health. Please visit our website at www.yalerudcenter.org for a variety of resources, including an email newsletter that gets dispatched monthly and also a list of podcasts by other excellent visitors to the Rudd Center. Thank you.